Welcome to Mind Bending Leadership. My name is Seth Campbell. I'm your host. I live to improve your leadership, your life, and your contribution in the world. This is episode four titled The Hero Always Dies. Now, that one might be a little overdramatic, yet I like to come up with titles that look good online and you'll remember. And this one is really going to, like mind bending leadership in general, make you think, hopefully, about the progression of leadership and how to become a leader, increase your influence at a much higher level. What you'll recognize through every one of these mind-bending leadership episodes is that you most likely, any of us, are at a certain level, a certain stage, and I attempt to take you through what the natural progression is of various stages of your leadership. And remember, we know and we believe that everybody is a leader. You may be a leader in your work by title. You may not be by title. That's okay. You're a leader somewhere. People watch you. It could be the neighbors. It could be your kids. It could be other family members. You influence people. You lead people. So this becomes very relevant for everybody. Today's episode, The Hero Always Dies. So I started watching this show on Netflix uh, called Jupiter's Legacy. I don't know if anybody's seen that or not. Actually, I just saw it got canceled on season one, which is weird. And truth be told, I'm only like two, three episodes in. So do not ruin it for me for the special group that we have that I'll take off mute and answer live questions at the end of this. Here's the backdrop. Essentially, this guy and his wife and some other friends or, or, or acquaintances, they've been superheroes for a hundred years. And they have this very strict way of sticking to things. They have these rules that they follow. Don't get involved in politics. No, don't kill anybody. These, these hero codes that they follow by. Now they're all grown up. They know their time is limited. They, they have kids. And these kids with these other superpowers are struggling to live up to both the accolades and the fame that their parents have built along with this code. And they believe maybe some of this stuff is no longer relevant in today's age. Maybe there needs to be other ways. So there's this scene though, and it really hit me. And, and I think it's so relevant to this conversation. I think it might be episode one or two. There's this scene where the main character is talking to his partner, Brainwave, about reflecting on, and the kids are not living up. This is getting tough. And has it all been worth it? We've been doing this for a hundred years. And the main character is like, we made a difference. We've done a lot of good. And Brainwave is starting to challenge that. Because I don't know if we really did. The, the main character is like, the Nazis are gone. And Brainwave's like, the Nazis aren't gone. They just go by a different name. It just changes. Now they're terrorists. Now they're this. Now they're doing hacks and, or, or blowing up buildings. And, and the point is, we've been saving all these people all this time, doing all this work. Has it really made a difference? Have we really, us saving everybody, us being the hero, did it really change things or do things just keep changing and it's all the same? And here we are, maybe at the end of our life, not really sure if we passed everything on to our kids that we needed to. Are they going to be able to handle it? They're already struggling with it. Does saving and solving really help? And I want you to write this down. Hopefully you're ready to take some notes today. If not, Hit pause, go get a pen and paper or a notepad, bring it to this every time. I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to take notes on and jot down. Here is one of the main tenets, main pillars, main beliefs that you'll get inside of your mind-bending leadership journey. 
It's a sentence I've held on to for so long. And I say, here it is. It's good until it's not good. Now that sounds very simple. It's good until it's not good. It's a little weird. Remember that, write it down. It's good until it's not good. Is it good to be driven? Yeah, it's good to be driven until it's not good. Until you're doing all the work and you've got a team of people sitting around watching you do all the work. Maybe they're even getting some of your earnings and is happy to let you do all the work. Is it good to be patient? Sure. Until it's not good, until it's time to stop being so patient, until it's time to get off your rear and get out there and spark change, do the thing that you need to do that you're scared to do. Is it good to be impatient? Yeah. Until it's not good to be impatient when it's time to let the plants grow, time to let the roots dig in, time to let the diet, the exercise, the workout routine actually do what it's supposed to do, slowly reshape your health or your body over time. When you get impatient on that one, you jump around, you try different things. You look for the magic pill. It doesn't work. You end up back the same or worse. Good to be impatient until it's not good with the student, with your kids who need to take time to self-develop, to learn. One of the biggest failures I see in leadership is the leader who says something along the lines of, that's just how I am. I'm just driven. I'm just impatient. I'm just a go-getter. I'm just blank. At the moment any of us says, that's just how I am. I'm just blank. I'm now fixed. I'm capped. I'm limited. The size of my leadership, the size of my life, the size of my impact is now capped. And it's capped because all things are good until they're not good. In a previous episode, I said in leadership, one of the key distinctions to getting to higher levels of leadership is this ability to be situational to be the very directive leader, like the fire in the building, the very collaborative leader when it's time to get creative and inventive. And the highest level leaders are those who do not fix themselves. Now, the interesting thing is all of us are behaviorally wired, hardwired for some of these. And you know this. And if any of you study behavior profile, which I have obsessed over and become a nerd on, is we are behaviorally hardwired to lean in a direction, whether it's driven or passive, whether it's patient or impatient, whether it's very fact-driven or very relational. We all have these natural wiring that do not adjust once we hit a certain age, unless a few very rare conditions present themselves. So in other words, for us to become flexible, we must first recognize those hardwired behavior patterns and then take them as, hard, as, as far as we can go inside of the gifts that come with those and recognize there's a point where they betray us. In fact, the highest levels of leadership, it will be your strengths that betray you way more than your weaknesses. It will be that drive that brought you so far that is now in the way because you are not a team player or you are doing all the work yourself. It will be the impatience that brought you so much success until you're not letting people self-develop and learn what they need to learn. So remember, it's good until it's not good. That is a core tenet that will repeat itself throughout our entire journey together. And you do have some core strengths naturally, behaviorally. Recognize what those are. Don't run away from them. You may have been a person where the world has beaten you up for some of that stuff. Your parents beat you up for some of that stuff. I'm a fan of embrace it. Embrace the inner crazy person inside of you or whatever that you got labeled. Uh, those are strengths. Those are strengths. So now as we zero in on this big one today, 
problem solving, hero, save the team. I think we go through a natural progression in our career and it starts like this. So write, write this down. There's a couple of phases, probably three main phases that I would say we go through on this one in our careers. Let's call phase one, like coming out of the gates. Like we come out of college or school or young age, like whenever you're like, okay, now I'm thinking about work journey for some people, by the way, that could have been 10 years old, little entrepreneur. That's cool. When you came out, I believe all of us, I don't like to use absolutes, all, always, never, nobody yet. This one, I think it's an absolute. All of us come out with a little bit point to prove, and it's very different for everybody. There's some kind of point to prove. And I, and the reason why I say all of us safely on that one is because all of us come out of childhood with some kind of peace that was not fulfilled, some kind of cup that wasn't filled, some kind of trauma. And it may not have been like trauma. It could have just been none of our parents were perfect and covered all the bases appropriately. And even if they did, there was something happened somewhere that we decided to interpret a certain way. Anyway, we all come out with some kind of chase, some kind of point to prove. And there's two key things. And a lot of research has backed this point up. All human beings have these two you know, core needs, which is look good, be right. Look good and be right. So that's like the point to prove. So imagine we all come out of the gate, phase one, come out of the gate, look good, be right. And I would draw a scale. I actually have witnessed that people come out on the look good, be right on a scale. So it's this, this, there's variations of that on one end of the scale, all the way to the left, it would be like resigned. And on the other end of the scale, it would be obsessed on look good and be right. There are people, and you probably know some, you probably have seen some, you probably have some in your family. You may be somebody struggling with this too. Early on, you come out of the gate already resigned on look good, be right. And that's heartbreaking because what does it take for somebody to resign on that? It means they somehow took on some severe trauma on look good, be right. They, they were either punished so much for look good, be right, or their confidence is so broken. They don't even, they've already given up on either look good or be right. And look good is not physically, although it does appear that way for some people. It does manifest in, I need to look good physically. Look good could also be, I say the right things. People like me. I blend in or I stand out. Like we all have variation of, I want to be accepted is another way to look at that one. And be right is somewhere along the line. Like, by the way, probably grades the K through 12 are programmed wrong, wrong is bad. I'll never forget my, all my kids are homeschooled. I'll never forget my oldest, by the way, like I posted about this the other day, freaked me out. I forget what grades are in. I probably shouldn't say that out loud. And he's 11 years old and he's like, just graduated, just finished. And he's like, I'm like, what grade did you just finish? He's like eighth grade. Oh my gosh. You're going into high school, ninth grade at 11. That kind of freaks me out a little bit. Anyway, I remember early on, he was, yeah, I, I just finished my spelling test and he was like a little upset. This was years ago. I'm like, what'd you get? He's like, I got one wrong. I got two wrong. I'm like, oh man, that hit me. How many did you get? Eight. I was like, why don't you tell me that? Eight out of 10, right? Nine out of 10. Right? But isn't it funny? Don't we all do that? I got one wrong. How many did you get? Or yeah, how many did you get wrong? 
they didn't get a hundred. So there's this weird programming we have like from childhood of like somehow focus on how many get wrong. I think that probably leads to our be right obsession. Anyway, so we all come out of the gate on this scale, anywhere from resigned all the way to obsessed. Have you met the obsessed one? You have you met the resigned one? You have. You've met the obsessed need to be right. Go ahead. I'm taking off mute. And you can name that. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. You've met, you've met the obsessed look good. You've met the obsessed be right. So we come out of that phase. We enter the workforce in phase one and we come out with that. Now there's a whole bunch of lessons on how to deal with that yet. By then you, you probably haven't had that conversation yet. And you, many times the world will slap you silly and you'll struggle depending on where you are in that spectrum. If you're in the middle, you're probably going to be fine and not be stand out as much. Now let's go to phase two. So now you're there phase two. I believe we come into phase two at best with knowledge. So we're going to put the ingredients together. So number one ingredient that you probably enter phase two with is knowledge. So you probably had some schooling. You probably know how to add and subtract. You probably know a little bit about what you're entering. And if you don't, you're going to get it early because then it would be a very entry level type of role. So I, I'm assuming there's some base of knowledge that you have. Do you have skills? Probably not. That's the second ingredient, by the way. So number one is knowledge. Number two is skills in phase two. You may have a little bit of skills. And if you went to trade school or something like that, maybe you already have some skills. Maybe you had an internship. Maybe you've been practicing, you have skills either way, phase two. And by the way, I would say the majority of people starting in their career, just in phase two, and it is a matter of increasing knowledge and increasing skills. Do all people increase knowledge and skills when they become an adult? Unfortunately, not sometimes they do as the jobs help them or as their leaders help them. I read a stat somewhere. It was something like. 96 or 98% of Americans read, I don't know. It was like three books the rest of their life after they graduate high school. It was like mind blowing. So there, I don't know that there's a lot of intentional increase in knowledge. There probably is on skill because you have to depend on what your job is. So phase two is I've got some knowledge. I'm attempting to increase that. I'm really attempting to increase skill. So let's stop there. Because our goal is to advance into the final to phase three, and then talk about this. Now, here's where it gets real interesting. Cause remember it's good until it's not good right here in phase two, as you're entering the workforce or you're the middle management, you're starting to go a little bit up, you're standing out. You've got this look good, be right. That is hardwired into you. You're adding knowledge skills. Let's say you're doing it all the way you'd like to do. Is it good to be a problem solver right there? Is it good to be the hero there? It actually is. That's where you want to come up with the solutions, come up with a good idea, stand out at work or stand out in your church group. Remember, it may not be work. It could be in, in the leadership circles that you're in. You, you actually want to be the one who is not dominant yet collaborating or bringing up ideas. It's kind of nice to be the person who really stands out right there in phase two. How would you do that? How would you possibly have really great problem solving skills? A lot of knowledge, a lot of skills, but you're increasing those as you go. That's going to give you more aptitude to be this hero. So remember the title of this is 
the hero always dies. Yet, how did they become a hero? They probably did a lot of heroic stuff. This is where you are the hero. This is where you become the hero. And I'm going to say that's good. I'm going to say that's good until it's not good on phase three. It's good for now. Here's the key. Let's break it down just a little bit deeper on how you stand out here, how you increase your problem solving, how you actually become a better hero and then help that springboard you to phase three where you really become like a leader of leaders. You really start to increase your life size, your wealth, your effectiveness, your impact on the world. So that can be done right here and write this down. It's all about increasing knowledge and skills and the way to do that, the how, in my opinion, is resourcefulness. Resourcefulness is the key, especially in this world. In other words, it, who's going to have the better idea? It's going to be the person who tapped into more resources, who searched a little deeper, read an extra book, went there. And I got to tell you, there are so many people that somehow we will label that person with the good idea or the strategic thinking as, oh, they were just born smart. They're just naturally intelligent. I get, I, I get to tell you, like, I get accused of that a lot. I know that sounds weird, but I get accused of a lot of bad things. This is one of the good things I get accused of is there's a, he's really smart. He's really intelligent. And some people have said that to me throughout my, my career and my life in a way that was even directly or hinting towards I was born that way. And maybe there's something to aptitude and I, in capacity, I think that's probably true for all characteristics yet, just like all of those, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't fill the capacity, it's useless anyway. And I've had people directly say, uh, you're just really smart. So it's, it comes easy to you. Look behind me. Look how many books I read. I put in the hours I'm reading books. I'm studying the future. I'm interviewing people. I'm listening to experts. I'm calling people. I'm getting on airplanes to go hang out with really successful people in different categories of life, physical health, mental health, like all of it. Like I obsess over it. And if you know me, I'm like that. I start to quote weird articles. You see this, you see that I just read that. And so I'm all like, while you're sleeping or I do watch Netflix, I guess I already admitted that I was going to say, while you're watching Netflix, I'm reading books. Okay. Well, while you're watching Netflix, I might be too. Yet somewhere in there, I'm reading a book. I'm studying an article. I'm increasing my knowledge and my skills. I'm on Google, YouTube, and I'm practicing and I'm learning and I'm hacking and I'm trying to find ways to get better at different things. Resourcefulness is the key to, to advance through phase two. So now I want you to pause right here as part of maybe your homework. And I want you to say like, how resourceful am I? When I'm stuck, do I obsessively search for more resources or do I just have one person I go to, one thing I go to, one, one experience, one old boss, one old way? Do I say things like, that's how we always did it over there, so that's my thing. Do I explore? Do I find answers? Do I Google? Do I YouTube? And what's crazy is this generation has no excuse for being lacking resource. I heard Tony Robbins say something brilliant. When people don't lack resources. They lack resourcefulness. Couldn't be more true. We're in a world that has too many resources. In your phone, you can find the answer to everything almost. People don't lack resources. They lack resourcefulness. How is your resourcefulness? And as you use your resourcefulness, 
to build knowledge and skills. What happens, you start to gain experience. And through experience, this is key. If you really think about experience, the people with the most experience, just pick a category. It could be selling real estate. It could be selling insurance. It could be fitness programs. It could be healthcare. The people with the doctor, the most experience. What do we really mean by that? We mean they've probably been through so many different variations of whatever that was. So a surgeon who's done that surgery 10,000 times, do you think all 10,000 of them went the same? Or do you suppose they started to see everything that could go wrong because it went wrong somewhere? That person has more experience, not just because of the hours, but because of the various perspectives that they grabbed. And there's your next word, perspectives. I believe true experience is a gathering of many different perspectives. In other words, I want the surgeon who hasn't done 10,000 different surgeries once. I want the surgeon who did my surgery 10,000 times. Bruce Lee said, I don't fear the man who's done 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who's done one kick 10,000 times. I want the surgeon who's done that surgery 10,000 times because they've probably already seen what happens when the person starts to bleed out. What happens when you open this and you find that? What happens when their pulse gets too low? What happens? They've already experienced every scenario possible because they have a different perspective. They've gathered perspectives. Therefore, their experience is high. And when you combine knowledge, skills, and experience slash perspectives, remember I'm labeling experience as a gathering of perspectives, not just hours, variations. For those of you that are in real estate, if you've been through 500 transactions, how many different ones have you seen? Everything possible. That's, that all adds up to what I call wisdom is the key to advancement. So now as I'm in this phase two, I'm the hero. I am during the day wearing my cape and doing that surgery another time, but another time I, I am not trying to be a generalist. I am gaining experience through different perspectives. I actually want a bunch of different things to go wrong so I can figure it out. I want to gather that. I want to be the, the person who that's how you problem solve. So I've seen this one before. I know something like this or back then we did this. So let's try that. I want to be so resourceful. I find so many different perspectives. I gain so much different experience. Now I've got wisdom. That's who I want to be. Then we can advance to phase three. And this will happen naturally if it's at work or if it's in a group, if it's a nonprofit, they're going to advance you to the top. If you're at work, you're getting a promotion right here. And now phase three, we enter with three things now, knowledge, skill, and wisdom. This is the highest level, knowledge, skills, and wisdom. I looked up online, the dictionary defines wisdom as the quality of having experience, knowledge, good judgment, the soundness of action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, good judgment. So we have these same words, this, this experience, knowledge, good judgment. The wisdom is where the judgment comes in because it was built upon multiple perspectives. I actually looked up the root word of wisdom. The, it, it's Germanic wise, wise. I don't know if I'm saying that. And that means perception or aptitude plus dom, which is an old English word that talks about judgment or decree. So it's this idea that because we have so many different perspectives from our experience that we can, or we have multiple perceptions and we can put that together for good judgment. 
So the number one way, how do I get wisdom? It's because I have a healthy dose of different perspectives that helps me make sound decisions. Now you're the wise person in the organization, the superhero that's maybe a little aged. I don't know. And I think you've got two paths right here. That's usually where the story ends. It's usually where we cut to the credits yet. We're here to create a legacy. And I think there's a breaking off point here and you get Jupiter's legacy. Like we talked about earlier, which is I've spent a lifetime demonstrating, doing, saving, and I hope you got it. And I'm mad when you didn't get it. And I don't know if I really made a difference or I'm going to choose the path of an endless legacy, a path that builds multiple generations inside this company, inside my family, inside my church, wherever I am, inside the government that I, I, I work at. What's the difference between those two paths? What's the difference between Jupiter's legacy and the endless legacy? And I think the difference is in phase three. And how you do that is you enforce resourcefulness. You enforce resourcefulness. So for those of you that are entering phase three, at phase three, how do I know I'm there? You lead leaders. You went from being a worker to being a leader of a worker. That's phase two. And now you have leaders under you. You lead leaders who lead others. That's when you're in phase three. It's time to enforce, strong word, resourcefulness. Force them to get perspectives. Force them to be resourceful. Now, pause right there. What phase did you just leave? I'm the one getting the perspectives. I'm the one come up with the answers. I'm the one that solved it. I have maybe gotten 20 years, five years, 10 years of being the hero inside this world. I got a lot of trophies for being that person that came out and did all that extra work, read all those books, was super resourceful. And now you want me to shut it off? Yes. Stop solving. Stop saving. Stop being the hero. The leader of leaders doesn't solve. The leader of leaders teaches how to solve. It is as basic as the old proverb, give a man a fish, feed him every day, teach a man how to fish, feed him, feed himself for life. It's that. What is the fish? The fish is resourcefulness. It's perspectives. It's experience. And you will suddenly find yourself, because you're probably in the same organization, all these people that you have built a dependency around and come to you for the answers. And by the way, I really struggled with this when I first entered phase three, because man, I came in, I came out of phase one severely in the story of not good enough. And I, because of my books, because of my knowledge, intelligence that I worked for, I got so high off of having all the answers. Man, I love that. I probably tied my self-esteem to it. I often joke that then I switched over to Facebook likes, which was much more healthy, not so much. I, I got a sense of self-worth from being the hero, solving all the issues. And I rode that. I was like the Superman of business, having all the answers until I realized I was a genius surrounded by a thousand helpers and there's no legacy in that. I'm going to be at the end of my life saying, oh my gosh, what's wrong with these people? They didn't get it. Is because I didn't help them get it. I didn't develop leaders. So now as you enter phase three, I'm going to give you a series of questions. I'm going to give you the script, grab and go. So get ready to write these down at some point with these kids. And somebody comes to you stuck. Hey, I'm stuck on this. I did it. 
your natural thing because you're so good as here's the answer. Try this, go do this. How about this? Let me look at it. I'll just do it. I'll help you. Did you try that? No, it didn't work. Okay. I'll take a look at it. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. That's all gone. Here it is. Question one, what do you want to accomplish? Question two, why? What's the motivation? What are you really after? Because sometimes they're, they give you a short on the ground answer. They usually actually enter the conversation with question three, which is where are you stuck? They usually enter with, Hey, I can't get this to work. And I'll back up to question one. Like, I can't get this thing to do this. What do you want to accomplish? What's the big picture? I can't get this to do this on this website I'm building. What do you want to accomplish? What is the website even for? Oh, you want it to be able to grab leads and do the, okay. So I'm going there. Why do you want that? Oh, because our other system needs to grab the, okay. Align at the higher intention. First, you must get alignment before you can coach somebody effectively. The number one way to get alignment is to go to a higher intention. Probably have a mind-bidding leadership on that. It's one of the top rules of negotiation is you chunk up, so to speak, to a higher intention. And you do align with all human beings at a high intention. Take my word for that. What do you want to accomplish? Why? Where are you stuck? Now they're telling you where they're stuck. This is where you normally just give the answer. This is where you're going to have to sit on your hands, bite your tongue, stab yourself like under the table. Reverse course. Some people do like the rubber band snap. This is where you reprogram your habits. What have you tried is the next question. What have you tried so far? You're going to be blown away by how many people actually don't have an answer to that. And that's when you know, you better look in the mirror and say, oh man, I trained this person to come to me on stuck one. Holy moly. I spent my whole life figuring out, and this person didn't even try anything else. Oof. Yeah, that'll happen. Then next question, what other things could you try? Now we're opening their brain to resourcefulness. That's where we officially enter the land of it's time for you to think for yourself. And you're going to have to really help this person get there. They may go right back to what they did try. What else could you try? And if they really struggle to go there, then you are dealing with somebody who's atrophied the muscle of being resourceful. And if you've been their leader for a while, take that on yourself. It's okay. Don't beat yourself up for it. Now you have the opportunity to open that muscle up. And you may actually need to spend a little, a few minutes. Just think, what else could you try? What else is out there? What are their things? You know, and really hold them there. And let's say their brain starts going. Here's the next question. What other resources are available to you? I'll give you the big two, Google and YouTube these days. <laughs> what other resources are available to you? Not, here's a resource. Did you try to Google? Did you try YouTube? I want you to actually get this person and think that for themselves. What other resources are available to you? And if they're stuck, resist giving the answer. Keep asking. You may need to finally say, have you thought about the, have you thought about the YouTube? Have you thought about the Google? Don't do what I used to do, which is being a sarcastic jerk. And I would do the let me Google that for you website, which then you can send them a link. And it shows like a little video of it typing into Google and then clicking search. And then it says, was that so hard? People get so mad at me for that. So it's better just say, have you tried the Google? Then here's a very powerful question. After that, what other resources are available to you? Now, hopefully their brain's opening up. This is where you really take them, their resourcefulness to the next level. Who else may have a different perspective on this? Who else may have a different perspective on this that you could go ask, you could go get? On those two questions, Circle those. What other resources are available to you? Who else may have a different perspective on this that you could go ask? And on those two, you make them give you a list. 
and you say, give me another one. What's another one? And you get three, four, five other resources, other people. That's you training their brain. That's you waking up the resourceful brain. You get a list and you write that down too, by the way, even if it's like on the side or a note after they leave, then it's now we're transitioning to implementation because this person needs to take action. Okay. When are you going to call those people? When are you going to read that? When are you going to do the YouTube? By when will you go get your resources to see if that helps? Then now you're getting a commitment, final step, schedule the follow-up and the follow-up. So the person still knows that you're there to support them is okay. So then you're going to get all this. You're going to do this resourcefulness today. Maybe it's a small thing. Then let's circle back tomorrow and tell me, shoot me a text in the morning. If you're still stuck or if that fixed it, you want, we need to resync on this and maybe we can come up with some more resources. So I'm not going to say, maybe I'll give you the answer. Maybe we can come up with some more resources. What does that tell them? I didn't have the same conversation, so I could probably just do it myself. And I'm teaching to be resourceful. I'm not holding back the answer. And by the way, I tell people, sometimes, by the way, it may feel like I'm holding the answer and we're playing a game. Sometimes I've got an idea. I've got an opinion. Yet I'm humble enough to believe my answer is not the best. And there's a better resource out there. I'd rather them learn that. Maybe they do something that transforms our entire organization. So my follow-up is I'm still in this with you. I'm not shoving you out the door with no answer. Let's get back together and figure out how that helped you if that worked. And we'll brainstorm some more resources if need be. Maybe I'll bring a resource if it's really a big one. I'll connect you with somebody that I know that can help. I'll bring in a resource if I need to. Yet that's very rare. Typically, it's all stuff that they could find out on their own. So that is the path. It's time for us to, at the beginning, and here's where I want you to do for your homework. And for those of you that are participating in our mind-bending leadership Facebook group, I'm going to give you homework. I want you to actually go in and post your results to the group this week. I want you to post to the results in the group. What phase am I at? Where am I at? You pick your category at work, whatever. In my phase one, I'm just coming out of the gate. If so, where am I at on the scale? Real deal. Put yourself out there. On the scale, look good, be right. Resign to obsessed. Real deal. Where am I at? That awareness will open up the world to you. Then, or I'm in phase two, the hero phase. And remember, the hero phase, I believe, has two jobs. During the day, you've got the cape on. You're solving. At night, you're in the books. You're studying, you're gaining perspectives, you're gaining more knowledge, you're, you're upping your knowledge and your skills in your secondary job. If I'm in the world of finance and my company is growing, right now I'm a bookkeeper, I'm ahead of the game, one day they're going to need a CFO. Have, does a CFO have more skills than an accountant? Yes. They know how to do acquisitions, they know how to do this, they know how to do very, all kinds of valuations. I want to be the CEO, climb with this company. I better be learning that stuff at nighttime, a night school, night class, night books, whatever. So if I'm in phase two, how am I doing on my resourcefulness during the day? My hero, I holding back. Am I so resigned or scared or obsessed? Am I on the ends of the spectrum of look good, be right? That I hold my tongue or am I getting out there? How resourceful am I? And then how am I doing on my night job? Studying up, learning. If I'm in phase three. I want you to say I'm in phase three. I think it's, it's no right or wrong. I've got wisdom and I am now a recovering hero addict or I'm starting to pass resourcefulness on. 
And this is how I'm doing it. This is how I interacted this week with somebody, man, because boy, when you are the hero right around where you stuck, all those other ones, what have you tried? What other things could you try? What are the resources available to you? Who else may have a perspective on this? You can go ask, when are you going to do that? That's way longer conversation than here's the answer. And man, here's the answer feels good. You used to get awards for that. And if you're impatient, that's good until it's not good. This is when it's not good. You're going to end up at the Jupiter's legacy. You're going to be pissed off. You're going to be angry, resentful that people aren't thinking for themselves, growing. You're limited in your life, your leadership, and your effectiveness and your impact on the world. This is the unlimited approach. An extra five or 10 minutes here literally could be worth millions of dollars, multiple generations by not giving the answer, not being the hero. The other path, the hero ends up dying. The hero always dies. It's really, what did you leave behind? Did you leave behind people who are resourceful or did you leave behind people who just lost their resource? That's what you got to think about. So that's today's episode of Mind Bending Leadership. Please go into our Facebook group, do the homework, really let's interact. Where are you at? Where are you struggling with? What's your aha from this? What happened this week? that you implemented inside of this. Let's talk through it together. With that, I love you. I'm here for you on your leadership journey. Have an awesome week.